Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, Martha. I am your host, Martha Reddick. And this week, I'm so excited because we have Leah McDermott. Hi, Leah. Hello, Martha. Wonderful. Well, welcome, Leah. It's so nice to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I... Uh, quote unquote met Leia at International Nanny Training Day. Uh, she did a video conference into the Hyde Park uh, International Nanny Training Day about this very subject. And I loved it so much. And I said, I bet a lot more nannies would love to hear this. And so I invited her on and we're going to kind of talk about similar things um, to that, which is about uh inviting children into the kitchen and ways to to include children in the cooking process, correct? Yes, that's it. Wonderful. Well, before we start that, I would love to hear a little bit about your background, any nannying experience or ways that you've worked with kids. Yeah, so I've been working with kids since I was a kid even. <laughs> I was like the go-to babysitter in the neighborhoods when I was, you know, 11, 12 years old. Um, and I knew even from then that education and working with children was definitely going to be my future. So um, it started many, many, many years ago. Um, for a brief period when I lived in New York City going to school, I was a part-time nanny for school-age children. So mm. um, I spent their mornings with them, got them ready for school, and then usually met them after school um, and helped them with homework and things like that. So that was, um, you know, my brief period of nannying while I was in education school. So and then, fun. yeah, it was. It was a great way to kind of dip my toes in the world without having them all day long. Right. Um, and then um, I got, you know, all of my various degrees in education and um, taught in inner city schools, mostly with um, pre-K and kindergarten children. And then I got moved to fifth grade. Mm. And that is is really when a lot of my life shifted for me. I started to realize a lot of what we were doing wrong 
in the world of education, what our children were missing. A lot of that was um, around nature and healthy eating habits. Um, the children that I worked with were low income, so they had programs that um, would donate fresh fruits and vegetables to the classroom. So mm. they would have a healthy snack every day. And most of the fruits and vegetables that were coming into my classroom, my children had never seen before and didn't even know the names of. Oh, wow. So that was um, a big eye-opening moment for me. And um, then when I had my own child, uh, my first son, I left the classroom because I had a two-hour commute one way every day. So it was just too oh, much. That's um, a lot. Yeah, it was just too much with a baby. So um, after I left the classroom, I couldn't just not be involved anymore. So um, after my brief period of being just mommy, I started my own business where I write curriculum and develop resources for parents, teachers, nannies, pretty much everyone that has a child in their care um, to do things just like this, healthy eating, natural learning. Um, and that's, that's what I do now, workshops like these and just outreach. Wonderful. Well, yeah. thank you for sharing this with us. Sure. Um, well, great. We'll get right into it then. So All right. why is it important to invite kids into the kitchen? So the biggest thing, there's two reasons why it's super, super important, other than the fact that it's fun, of course. But right. <laughs> the first one is research is very clear that if we help children make healthy habits around their eating choices and around the food that they choose to create and make and eat, those choices stay with them for the rest of their lives, most likely. So if mm -hmm. we invite them into the kitchen, teach them how to prepare food, help them make healthy choices, you know, invite them to try a variety of foods that are, you know, healthy and different and fun, they are more likely to keep those habits when they are adults, not only just, you know, making good choices, but preparing their own food, you know, making healthy decisions around food. And it's no secret that we have an epidemic of obesity and diabetes and, you know, heart disease, especially in America, but that's reaching out to other countries now as well. So if we can help our children when they are young to form these healthy choices, we're doing them a lot of favors just in terms of their health in general when they're older. Yes. The other one, the other main reason that it's important is that if you know, it kind of goes right along with that, but children who are more involved in the process of creating their own food are less likely to be picky eaters and they're mm -hmm. more likely to be willing to try different things, which is, you know, those two ideas kind of go hand in hand. But I know so many nannies, especially who deal with picky eaters. Yes. And since they're not, you know, they don't make all of the decisions for the children, they kind of struggle with what to do. Um, so bringing kids into the kitchen is a great way to do that because if they have a hand in growing it or picking it or making it, they're more likely to try it. Yes, that is such a good point. Um, mm -hmm. And as I'm hearing you talk, I'm realizing that we also have another episode called Ending Mealtime Struggles that mm. talks about some of these things as well. So there'll be some overlap between the two episodes. But if, if you're listening at home and you're thinking, wow, this really is speaking to me, that's another episode that you can go listen to after you finish this one. <laughs> Great. So what do children learn from cooking with you? Oh my gosh. There's so much. I mean, I could talk. This is, this is why I asked you if there was a time limit because right. you could talk for hours and hours about this. So, uh, you know, there's lots of academic benefits, which isn't always what we're thinking about when we have our kids in the kitchen, but it certainly doesn't 
hurt to build right. those foundational skills, right? So of course there's math, right? There's fractions, there's measuring, um, you know, cutting something into various pieces, counting, no matter how old the kids are, there's math concepts that they can appreciate. Even if it's just like counting the strawberries that they're putting into the blender for a smoothie at a very you know young level up to, you know, degrees of the oven, cutting a recipe in half is a concept that even older kids, even adults, <laughs> <laughs> you know, can, can, can struggle with. Yes. Um, so lots and lots of math, literacy as they are, you know, reading recipes and, um, you know, reading nutrition labels, reading the ingredients on something. And of course, there's science as we wait for something to freeze, as we wait for something to rise, as we're waiting for things to cook and reach a certain temperature. And then even, you know, social connections and history and geography, you see, as we look at different, you know, where different foods come from, different parts of the world, different cultures and the foods that they enjoy and experience. So lots and lots of academic ways you can bring that in. Mm -hmm. Some of the other benefits then are patience is a really big one. So, you know, an understanding of how long something takes is really big with the kids that are, you know, preschool, kindergarten, first grade. I'll never forget my, um, my youngest son, Desmond, when he was about two and a half, he was helping me make banana muffins. Mm -hmm. And as he was putting, you know, he was doing his thing. It's nothing that was new. Um, but as he was putting the batter into the muffin tins, he had a realization and he looked at me and he said, do we have to cook these first? And I said, of course we do. And he just started sobbing because oh. he didn't want to wait for the muffins to cook. And it was like <laughs> this understanding that there, there needed to be some patience there. Um, but that's a big one for the younger kids. Um, also the, the fine motor development in the mm. prep work. So cutting things up, um, pulling things apart, stirring, cracking eggs, all of that is so great for the little one's fine motor development. Yes. Um, memory development and memory connections is great. The more they start to experience different tastes and recipes, they can make connections to um, this smoothie tasting like the popsicle that they've had before. Or, you know, this cinnamon apple tastes a lot like the cake we made last week. And making those taste connections really helps build the memory. Yes. And then also sensory development is really great for the little ones as they, um, you know, they learn so much through taste and mm -hmm. touch. So the kitchen is such a great place. You know, we, we get so worried about our younger ones putting things in their mouths. So bring them into the kitchen where they can put <laughs> everything in their mouth and it's okay. Um, right. But yeah, that's, that's just like a sample of all of the incredible benefits that we get, not to mention the health benefits. Right. Yes. And, uh, and even with the, memory thing that you're talking about. Um, also, cause I, I experienced this when you look at the recipe and you're following the instructions and then you forget a step, like you just mm. looked at it and then you look away and forget what the next Definitely. step was. So even like little short-term memory, things like that. Certainly. Are certainly yeah. Helpful. Absolutely. Um, wonderful. Well, that's, all so true. And uh, since hearing you at International Nanny Training Day, I have been inviting my kiddos into the kitchen more and more. And I have seen that uh, mm. come true. <laughs> so awesome. that's been really, really great. And you know, one of the other things is um, just real quick mm -hmm. with memory, you know, if you even think about as an adult, how many 
connections you have to food. Like, right. you know, the, the memories of the smell of cookies on Christmas morning or, you know, whatever it might be, we all have. And I remember at the International Training Day, we kind of shared some of those. But we all have those connections to our childhood that create or, or bring up wonderful memories for us around food. And for a nanny to be remembered that way, uh, for you know, for your children to remember right. you so fondly is is a wonderful thing to think about too. You know, since they aren't our children, to know that later down the road they're going to have those fond memories of us when they smell something that they used to cook with you is really you know heartwarming as well. That is that is uh, Katie Leinecke, who's a frequent guest on the podcast, often says, "As a nanny, what legacy do you want to leave?" Yes. And I think that this is a really great way to to leave a positive one absolutely um i love that and delicious <laughs> of course <laughs> um so what are some ways to begin the cooking journey with your kids yeah so start simple like if this isn't something that you've done in the past or maybe you've only dabbled a little bit you don't have to invite them in to cook a three-course meal right <laughs> start right. Start simple. And this is true, like, even if you don't cook for yourself, if this isn't something that, you know, and I know, I remember at International Training Day, we had a lot of nannies in the audience who said, like, I don't cook for myself. I don't know how to cook because it wasn't something that I did in my childhood. There are those direct correlations, you know, to if right. this was something that you did in your childhood, you're likely to do it as an adult. We see that coming true now as adults in our own lives. So if this is something that you don't do for yourself or you don't feel comfortable doing, that's some work that you need to do too. But the good part is you can learn together. You can start simple too and just invite the kids on that journey with you. But really simple things you can do is find where in your daily routine this can be easy. That way mm. it doesn't become like one more thing you have to do or something that feels stressful. If you already have like a time of the day where you prepare a snack, for example, that's a great time to bring the kids in because you really can't mess up a snack. Right. Even if it's like, here are the things, cut them in half, put them on your plate in a funny way, right? Like even something that simple can get you started and get them used to coming in. Um, I've never really met a kid that didn't want to come into the kitchen and help. Right. So, you know, it's probably not going to be hard to get them to participate. It's more, you know, how can you make it easy for you to get started? Um, so snacks is a really good one. Smoothies are a really, really easy way to get started because you really can't mess up a smoothie either. Just, right. you know, yogurt, milk, fruit, vegetables, go for it. That's pretty much <laughs> it. And there's so much variety. You could change it up every single day um, and never have the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, transitioning into maybe letting them help at breakfast and lunch. But really, you know, the dinner is the big meal. So do that last. Or if, you know, if you don't have the kids at dinner time, you, the lunchtime can be the place where you start to experience, um, experiment a little more. But starting really simple is the best way to begin. You can also think outside the kitchen itself. So if you can do some gardening with the kids, even in pots on the patio, that's a great way to get them involved in their food process and, you know, food choices as well by growing the food that they're going to eat. 
Um, and also the planning and shopping part of it. So looking through some cookbooks together, you know, scanning photos on Pinterest of, you know, different smoothies you can try together is fun. And, you know, making those, making a shopping list, because that also gets them involved in literacy. They're writing a list, they're reading and going shopping together. They're looking for the ingredients. They're learning those real life skills. So there's lots of things that you can do to start getting them involved in the practice that isn't even right at the kitchen counter. Right. Yes. And I remember you mentioning at uh, International Nanny Training Day that you give your son or sons, depending on who's going with you, Mm -hmm. their own shopping list. Yes. So we do, we meal plan and we shop once a week. Actually, we did grocery day today. So I plan our meals ahead and then I make my own list. And then each of my kids gets their own list as well that they are in charge of at the store. And obviously it's not like super, super important ingredients just in case. Um, (laughs) But it's so good for their independence, that responsibility of having a part in the process and also that literacy component of the reading and writing and, you know, finding the thing that's on your list. So my oldest son is six and he's, you know, he he reads fluently. So his list is just words and it's about 10 items. Mm -hmm. My younger, my younger son just turned four. So he can't read yet. He's just getting started with recognizing words. So his list will have, you know, four or five things, lots more simple, and it will have the word and a photo next to it as well. So he can, so if it says apples, I'll draw a picture of an apple next to it. That way he still sees, he still has that literacy component, but it's easy for him to do independently because he can see the photo as well. Right. That's such a wonderful idea. And I bet helps with, you know, preventing tantrums and things like that because they're absolutely focused on their list and not all the things that they want that (laughs) they can't exactly exactly they don't even look at it groceries grocery shopping has never been a struggle for us because they're focused on the things that they need and it only takes me an extra four or five minutes to do in the you know preparation before we leave Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And then back to uh, ways to invite them into the kitchen. Uh, Mm. Just something that I've experienced. I have nannied for some children who um, struggle with perfectionism. They Mm. they really want to do things perfectly or not at all. And Mm. so that's something that we work on in all areas of uh, our lives together. But in the kitchen, I have found that if they – if I find one thing that they make, uh, and then I ask them to make that. So for example, one of my kiddos makes salad dressing and she Mm. kind of created the recipe by herself. And so I make sure to ask her for that salad dressing and I have her teach it to me and things like that can really help with, um, kids feeling ownership. So Just and that, that, that perfectionism is my that's my oldest son to a T. Mm-hmm. If, if he can't do it perfectly, he gets very stressed out. And actually, cooking was one of the ways that we helped combat that a little bit I because bet. you know, if you follow a recipe to a T, even sometimes it doesn't work out, and that's okay. And you can, it's, it's a lot easier to mess up and things still not go super badly um, or, you know, miss an ingredient and it's still okay. So the kitchen's a great way to help with that. And um, art is the other way that we helped him do that. So, and those two things are kind of very similar as well. They are. So that that's mm-hmm. a really great uh, 
lesson. Yeah. Why is it uh, particularly important to invite male children into the kitchen? Ah, oh, this is a good one. So, you know, this was something that was super important to me as a mom of boys mm-hmm. because, and, you know, I relate this specifically to my childhood, um, you know, just, I don't know if it was generational or societal <laughs> or what it was, you know, I didn't know when I was younger, of course, but the women were in the kitchen and the men came and they ate and then they left the table and the women cleaned up. And that was just, you know, just the times and that's the way it worked. And when I went away and went to college, I saw that happen again. All of my male friends couldn't even make ramen without, (laughs) you know, blowing up the microwave. And, you know, so for me, it was really important that if I had boys, they were going to know how to cook a meal and wash the dishes to go along with it. But as I, you know, became more involved in the world of other children and education, this, you know, this is something that is, you know, still a widespread problem. So despite the fact that, you know, we have done so much work as women to close the gender gap and, um, you know, kind of change society's rules around this, it is still something that, we don't see boys being invited into the kitchen. Um, And if you, if you look, um, you know, if you go to Amazon and type in cooking with kids, you're going to see pink aprons and flowery kitchen utensils and American girl cookbooks. It's not marketed as a gender neutral type of thing. Mm -hmm. So we do have to kind of, you know, fight that battle for our children a little bit and make sure that of course we want our girls to be invited too. But I think it's a, especially important that we make it a point to bring our boys into the kitchen so that we can kind of close that area of the gender gap as well. I completely agree with that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I, boys, I see them be curious yes. about being in the kitchen. And then often that curiosity, um, is ignored. And mm-hmm. so I, I think just really paying attention to that, is, is so important. Exactly. And if we start them when they're younger, it's, it doesn't become something that they feel they should be embarrassed about. Right. You know, so, I mean, most middle school boys wouldn't want to admit that they loved to make cupcakes, <laughs> you know, but that's, that's okay if they love to do that. And I think if we start all of them when they're younger, it no longer becomes something they should be embarrassed to be good at. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. But how about safety in the kitchen? Mm. So there's a lot that could potentially be unsafe, although that's true of our world. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, I don't know how much of this you've covered maybe in your podcast before, but, you know, risky play is something that's kind of a big talking point right now. And Mm -hmm. the more, you know, we know that, you know, research and scientifically based, the more children have the opportunity to freely explore the world around them, the more they can assess their own risks. So for example, if they're playing out in nature or out at the playground, let them climb as high as they feel comfortable or, you know, because that's how they learn what's comfortable and that's how they learn how much they can balance and which branches they can stand on and, you know, how far they can jump. And they learn that themselves. And all of those things are still true in a kitchen. So they know pretty inherently what is safe. So if I handed my four-year-old the biggest butcher knife, he wouldn't even want to use it. He would feel uncomfortable with that. And, you know, the good part is that the younger they are when we bring them in, it's more 
it's more inherent for them. So early involvement creates awareness Mm -hmm. because if they're 18 months old, two years old, and they're standing at their little chair next to us at the kitchen counter and we're talking with them about how knives are sharp and dangerous. If we use them inappropriately, here's one that's safe for you to use here. How's, you know, here's how we use it safely and then slowly introduce them to things like knives and the oven and the stove top. Um, it, it just becomes very inherent. So, you know, in my home, we've always, you know, as soon as they could stand on a chair next to me safely, they were involved in something in the kitchen. So I never worried about needing to put knives in lock containers or put a lock on the stove or, you know, any of the child lock things, because it was just such a part of our daily conversation. They knew what was safe for them. And, you know, my, my oldest son is, he loves, loves, loves to be in the kitchen. And when he was four years old, he was making meals all by himself because he wanted to, and he can use the stove and knows the safety features. But even still, there are times where we might be making cookies and when it's time to put it in the oven, he knows he can do it, but there might be a day or a moment when he just doesn't feel safe and he'll ask, could you put these in the oven for me? I'm a little nervous. So he still is building that, you know, that risk assessment of his own. So a lot of times with things like this, with safety in general, it's a, it's an adult fear, right? And we are fearful (laughs) of hurting the children. Therefore we hold that back. And so it's a mindset we have to shift in, you know, wanting to help them create that safety for themselves instead of putting them in a bubble for our own peace of mind. Yes. Yes. And I think for nannies, sometimes that's a particularly, um, hard needle to thread because, you know, we're hired to keep the children safe. Sure. Um, and so sometimes we worry, but I, I completely agree. And I think starting off with something like a smoothie or preparing snack, uh, and you both together, uh, learn about the safety of the kitchen and how to work with kids in it is a really good way to approach it. And it's a process, you know, even as an adult, if, if I were going to start learning woodworking, they wouldn't just turn me loose (laughs) in a shop and expect me to safely use the jigsaw and the sander and the planer. It would be, you know, a slow introduction to all of these things. I probably wouldn't touch a power tool for a couple of weeks. And so it's the same with the kids. You start them with things that are like plopping strawberries in a blender and there's no safety risk there. And then you slowly start to introduce them to, you know, other things and it becomes just a part of that learning process. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I completely agree. Uh, How, I mean, you kind of addressed this already, but how early can you start cooking with kids? So, yeah, like I said, really as soon as they can stand safely without being wobbly is a fine time to do that, right? So my kids were around 18 months, two years old. And then it was very simple things like, you know, making smoothies. So putting the strawberries in the blender, putting things in the top of the juicer, um, you know, putting banana slices on top of peanut butter toast or just the very, very simple things. But even then they were a part of the process and it can be, it can feel mundane, you know, cause when they're that age, it does, 
you know, a, a three-year-old's not going to be, you know, wielding a knife and flipping <laughs> things on the stove. So, you know, it might be a full year of simply letting them plop things in a blender or put things on a plate, but it's that, it's the building, the confidence and the responsibility and the process that you are, you know, building that foundation for them. So even in those younger ages, it's important to get them in there. Yes. And you mentioned standing on a chair. They also have um, like stools that are enclosed that kids Oh, the can... learning towers. Yeah, the mm-hmm. learning towers. And so I just wanted to mention that in case there are nannies out there that want to do this and mm-hmm. whose families are willing to, you know, buy things like that mm. at a nanny's suggestion because those are yes. really great. They are. Yeah. Um, they make me feel safer. <laughs> yeah, definitely. There's, we've, I've personally never had one. We've always used a chair, but there have definitely been times when they go to lean over and the chair starts to tip a little. And yeah, learning towers are wonderful if you can get them. Yes. Yeah. Um, wonderful. And then do you uh, also include kids in cleanup? I do. Yeah. So even if it's as simple as, can you finished with the bowl? Let's put it near the sink. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't expect a, a three-year-old, for example, to be able to <laughs> completely clean up the entire kitchen. And I know that's a big thing, right? We, a lot of times we have such a rigid flow to our day that inviting kids into the kitchen doesn't just mean letting them make something. It means cleaning up after them. And there have certainly been times where we've had, you know, I've turned away for a second and then there's a flower explosion, you know, right. and it's, it's hours of cleanup. But if that's part of it is having them involved. So even if it's something simple like moving the plate or, you know, wiping up the crumbs, the simple things help them to become more involved. And then even the cleanup process when they are not preparing the meal can be good too. So letting them help unload the silverware from the dishwasher at any time of the day still helps them see that full process. Or um, even youngest, you know, the youngest kids love to play with bubbles in the sink. So even letting Mm -hmm. them pretend to wash dishes at the sink, not only is that like a really fun sensory activity that they'll probably stand there and do for an hour, um, it helps build those foundational skills, right? So um, even if it's not all, you know, the same combination at the same time, like cooking and then cleaning up at the same time, um, letting them be a part of all of that process can be really helpful. Yes. And I also think modeling yourself during cooking, you know, the little things that we naturally do, but pointing them out of, you know, oh, I'm going to put the bowl in the sink Mm -hmm. so it can be soaking and things like that. Absolutely. Modeling is key. And the language and the communication is so important because as we are talking through all of these little steps and asking them questions and getting them involved in the discussion, the learning goes to a whole nother level. It's so much deeper when they can have conversations about what they're noticing, what they, you know, what they think, what they taste, what they smell, and then your modeling process as well. Yes. I, yeah, I, it's just, it's so much fun too. Exactly. Um, and you know, going to the library to see if there's a new recipe book or things that, um, that's something that I've started doing with my little ones. Um, or like in the Chicago library, you can, um, order and have it brought to your specific branch. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we'll order it and then, 
every day they're asking me, is my cookbook in? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And there's so many ways, you know, it's like I said, bringing them into the kitchen is great, but there is so much that can happen outside of the kitchen that Mm -hmm. still gets them excited about that. So reading, you know, even if you choose, um, you know, a recipe that maybe they've never tried before and it's from a specific part of the world, finding books about characters that live in that part of the world and looking at maps about, you know, where those people live in relation to where you live, even, you know, you can take this so far away from the kitchen. That's still so much fun learning with the kids. Right. Yes. Location, like geographically around the world or holidays and different ways Mm -hmm. that people celebrate holidays and yeah, the list goes on. Family traditions. So if there's a, you know, a specific tradition that that family has or your family has and talking about that, you know, with your children and sharing your family traditions and history with them is really great too. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Well, wonderful. Well, um, are there any resources that you would recommend for nannies who want to start or or grow better at inviting kids into the kitchen? Yeah. So uh, you obviously already mentioned the other podcast that you have. That's probably a really great resource for them. Um, And then I have actually written a cookbook um, called Preschoolers Cook, which has 30 recipes in it that are, they're all healthy, they are easy, they are fun for the kids to make. And each recipe includes some conversation topics so that it kind of helps them right there. It's like two or three questions that they can ask through the process, just in case there's like intimidation or you really don't know what to even say during the process. There's some tips there for discussion, which is really helpful for a lot of people um, to kind of see that next step. Um, And then there are some articles on my website as well that are directly related to cooking and bringing kids in. So um, my website's yournaturallearner.com and you can find it all there. And actually, um, I have the same link up from International Training Day where you could get um, three recipes that I have available that are really fun and easy and some other tips. So if you go to yournaturallearner.com, forward slash cooking with children, it'll take you to a place where you can get that information. It'll just email you a couple of recipes that you can try right away. Lovely. Thank you yeah. so much. Of course. That is a great resource. Um, and, and yeah, if, if you're listening at home and you're thinking, um, great, that all sounds wonderful. And, and I, but I have this one question that you guys didn't touch on. You mm. are welcome to email in to chronicles of at gmail.com. Nannia is spelled N-A-N-N-Y-A and, uh, ask it and I will either reach out to Leah or if I can answer it, I will, or I will find someone to answer it. <laughs> that sounds great. Yeah. I'm um, happy to help. Yes. Wonderful. Well, great. Um, is there, is there anything else? Uh, did you want to share a story? Yes. So we, yeah, we end (laughs) each episode with a fun, cute, uplifting story and Leah has brought one. I do. And actually this was interesting. Um, I just recently shared this story on my Facebook page and it has completely blown up. It has like two and a half million views on it. Like wow. it's crazy how this simple little story has just brought such a wonderful lesson to people. Um, so there's the buildup for it. Mm-hmm. So um, we were, we um, live in the Pacific Northwest. So we spend a lot of time in the beautiful outdoors and um, not too long ago we were on a hike and um, I was just in a, 
time of my life where I was just rushing. Like mm -hmm. everything was, I have to get this done. I have to get this done. You know, the nights when you can't sleep because you're running a to-do list in your head. Um, so this hike had kind of become another checklist thing for me. Right. So we were on this hike and I was way ahead of my oldest son, Charlie. And I looked back and he was literally laying down on the trail. <laughs> and in my mind, I was like, are you serious? We're never going to get anywhere. Maybe we should just turn around. And so I start walking back to him and it just, it was like a gut feeling like this was an intentional thing that he was doing. And so instead of saying, hurry up, like I wanted to, I asked him, I said, Charlie, what are you doing laying on the trail? And he put his finger over his lips and he shushed me and he said, mom, there's vultures up there and I want to see if they think I'm dead. <laughs> and so I look up and I was, happened to be able to snap a picture and there were three vultures circling around up in the sky where he was laying there. And it was just this light bulb moment for me because I hadn't even noticed the birds that were flying ahead. I was hurrying and rushing and he was able to bring me back to this moment of just slowing down and appreciating the things around me. And also just understanding that when I'm rushing, I'm also rushing them. And right. there's so many moments when they are slow for a reason. And so to stop and ask them, you know, what are you doing? What are you thinking? Can I join you? And taking the moments to slow down instead. Um, it was just so eye opening for me. And it's obviously been eye-opening for many, many other families as well. So that's the story I wanted to share. Oh, that is a fantastic story. And what Thank a great, you. great reminder. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we do. We get so hurried. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it kind of connects to the, the podcast episode too. You know, a lot of times we don't bring our kids into the kitchen simply because we want it to be a quick thing, right? right? We want to just make them their lunch and get it over with. When if we would just maybe get rid of one more thing in our schedule or just slow down a little bit, we could spend 45 minutes with them together having a wonderful experience for everyone involved. Yes. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes we as nannies do forget that 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 we get the beautiful benefit of our entire job. <laughs> Yes. to be there with the kids um, in ways that support their learning. And so we have this really nice thing that sometimes parents don't get mm -hmm. um, because they're balancing their jobs and <laughs> their children. Exactly. And, and so um, because being with children is our job, we, we get this wonderful gift. And so not to let it just pass us by. Exactly. And you get to give that back to those children who maybe otherwise would be hurried out the door to a daycare or rushed off to school. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. This was wonderful. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for listening. We'll see you next yes. week. Chronicles of Nania is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Nania and on Twitter at Nania Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnania at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture.
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.